Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to a special emergency episode of the NBA podcast. We've got a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking about the results from the 2017 NBA Draft Lottery. We will discuss the first two games of the Western Conference Finals. We'll talk about what's next for the Washington Wizards and preview the Eastern Conference Finals, which begin tonight. I'm Brian Toporek, and before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, uh, and you can find that link if you're listening to this on Audio Boom at the bottom of our player. So check us out on iTunes, follow us, subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRagNBA. Going to have a lot of good draft coverage coming up especially, as well as... At ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our five-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like ACE, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. ACE is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details. Ongoing coverage of both conference finals and eventually the NBA finals. So again, FanRag Sports at FanRag Sports on Twitter. Joining me today, as always, are my two trusty co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian. Sarah, I'm guessing probably not as well for you. Yeah, yeah, just grand. Yeah, so we're going to give Sarah a few minutes to channel her Spurs rage, and we're going to (laughs) talk some draft lottery first. Uh, So, Mort, the proceedings were last night. Some... It didn't go all chalk, which is good. Boston mm. did win the number one pick, which was they entered the night with the best odds. Things got a little wacky at number two. The Lakers actually jumped a spot and won the second pick, which means they didn't have to send it to my Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> uh, the Sixers then won the third pick by virtue of the horrible trade that Vladi Divac made two years ago. Technically, Sacramento won that pick, but then Philly swapped into that for number three. Phoenix was four. Sacramento via Philly is five. Orlando, six. Minnesota, seven. New York, eight. And then Chalk, the rest of the board. So, Mort, who are your biggest winners and losers from the lottery? Well, a clear winner has to be the Lakers, right? I mean, here they were with the scare of the possible lifetime here in not getting their pick, potentially, if they fell out of the top three. It didn't mm-hmm. land at top two. They secured one of Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball, probably Lonzo Ball. Right. Um, I don't foresee any scenario where <laughs> Markel Fultz is not chosen number one. That would be a story of the decade if he isn't, so... Um, it, it, yeah, that's that's the biggest win really of the draft because they would they would just have had their whole franchise being brought back like five years. <laughs> Big, you know, biggest loser. It's difficult because I mean you could argue that Sacramento is in a weird spot, but I mean you mm. can't really complain as well because you have the number five and the number ten. That's not a horrible position. I'm not really seeing a whole lot of losers. I mean. New York at eight, dropping down one spot is pretty mm-hmm. crucial for a team in that dire need of talent acquisition, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and it seems like, I mean, it all depends on how the board breaks, right? Like, this is kind of a yeah. pointless exercise until we actually see come June 22nd, you know, if if Lonzo Ball takes an unexpected drop to four or five, that's going to shuffle up everything else. So maybe the Knicks fall into a guy who we don't think is going to be there. Um, I think, you know, you're spot on with the Lakers. Not only did they save their pick this year, but because they didn't have to send it to Philly, they also don't have to send their 2019 first to Orlando. They mm. instead send 2017 and 2018 seconds to Orlando, which is far more preferable. So it's a um, win on both sides. Also worth noting, Philly now has the Lakers unprotected 2018 first. So if the Lakers suck next year, the Sixers could be in the same position that Boston was this year. Just worth keeping in mind. Um, so for that reason, I, I'm picking Sam Hinkie as a huge winner. Just because Oh yeah. not only is that Lakers pick now you know, definitely going to convey next year, uh, which was part he got that from Michael Carter Williams, who very well could be playing in Europe next season. Um, he also has you know the pick swap with Sacramento. The thing about that was you know that the Kings entered the night with worse odds than Philly, so the odds said you know that wasn't going to come into play. But that was never the point. The point is it just gives you more lottery balls mm. or lottery combinations, I should say. And if one of those combinations comes up, it doesn't matter what odds you have, you know? Plenty of teams have won with worse odds than Sacramento had last night. So, Hanky, big winner there. For that same reason, Vlade Divac is a loser for obvious reasons, making that trade to clear out cap space to sign Rajan Rondo and Costa Kufis. Uh, not looking great. <laughs> and, and, you know, the big prize, their 2019 first, is still two years down the pike. Uh, yeah. Phoenix also stands out to me as a potential loser here. Because I thought, yeah. you know, I really thought uh, if they take, you know, if the, if Chalk had held, they were second. They're probably taking Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson there. If they take Lonzo, that frees them up to trade Eric Bledsoe this summer. Josh Jackson seems like a nice two-way fit between Devin Booker and Marquise Chris. Now, you know, we'll talk in a second about what the Lakers and the Sixers do at two and three, but... There's a chance both Ball and Jackson are gone. Leaves them with, you know, Jason Tatum, Malik Monk, maybe De'Aaron Fox. All good prospects, but I think there's, you know, a clear drop-off from what I would have expected them to have prior to Tuesday and now what it seems like they're going to have come June 22nd. So, Mort, I want to talk to you about the Lakers and the Sixers in particular you know, I think we all agree Markel Fultz is going with number one. Right. Whether that's to the Celtics or to another team, we'll we'll find out, you know, soon enough. Um, so, Lakers at two. Do you think there's any chance they don't take hometown kid Lonzo Ball? No, not really, unless LaVar does something weird in the <laughs> meeting, which he kind of did today, or was it yesterday? I don't, was it today? It, I'm every not sure. day. It's, that's every just, day, yeah. Yeah. He's the Donald Trump of the NBA. Really? Yeah. So here's the thing. Initially, I kind of thought he was doing his, his son a small favor when he started get going out on the scene. Like, he brought attention to, to Lonzo in a somewhat positive light at first. And then it just became weird. And then he started all the, I could be better than Michael Jordan, <laughs> right. hoo-ha, and whatever. And now <coughs> he's just straight up trolling everyone all the time. And apparently no one in, in inner NBA circles seem to mind. I mm -hmm. mean, they're still going, hey, we we got to take the kid, you know, because of the talent and whatnot. And, and I get that logic. Yeah. But at, at the same time, I'm also slightly afraid that having that guy on the sideline is going to be a problem down the road. Like, could mm -hmm. you imagine him getting into, like, rookie extension talks? Like, yeah. he'll, he'll meddle, he'll go to the media, he'll undermine his son, he'll do all kinds of horrible things. And so if, if Lakers management and Rob Palinka, who is, like, he was Kobe's agent, so he mm -hmm. knows players, he knows fathers and, and the relationship with sons and whatnot. If he deems that too risky, it's Josh Jackson all the way. Yeah. But So it comes down to Rob Palinka's feel about the presence of LaVar Ball compared to the potential of Lonzo Ball and the ability to separate the two. 
Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were going to talk about LeVar last time, but then I wanted to table it until after the lottery. So here is my LeVar hot take now that we have seen how the lottery went. If the Sixers had been at two, I would not have wanted them to take Lonzo in large part because of LeVar. Because I'm with you. I think he, you know, the, I, I don't know that Lonzo's talent is so much greater than the next best prospect, whether you think that's Jackson or De'Aaron Fox or Jason Tatum, that it's worth the risk of having LeVar Ball poison your team's chemistry. Because I do think that is a possibility. And, I, you know, I got into a Twitter discussion about this with Josh Riddell of Draft Express the other week. Um, and, and we kind of came to the consensus that LeVar is just in uncharted territory. It's, you know, I don't know that he's going to be on first take and undisputed every single day like he is in this pre-draft process. Hopefully not, because I'm already sick of hearing every single thing he has to say. But I think you're right, Mort. Like, imagine if in a situation, say he had went to the Sixers and say the Ben Simmons' point guard experiment didn't go as planned. Ben Simmons struggled with that. Mm. Or say Lonzo wasn't getting the minutes that LeVar thought he deserved. Or say he and like LeVar and Brett Brown were clashing. He would go to the media and he he's proven that he can immediately have, you know, he's got like an open invitation on both of those terrible shows. So <laughs> because of that, I think it depended in large part where the number two pick went. Like Lonzo's success was largely based on whether that goes to a bad team in a media market that would be corrosive, which is Philadelphia. I think because he's going, you know, in theory, because he's going to the Lakers or because the Lakers will have the opportunity to draft him, I think this is the first time we're going to see Magic Johnson's presence really pay off because LeVar has made it very clear that he has a lot of respect for Magic. He's said in the past that there's no better player for Lonzo to learn under than Magic. So I think, I'm hoping for Lonzo's sake, that LeVar's reverence of Magic Johnson will make him tone it down after June 22nd. But I really do think there is a huge risk in that, you know, like, who knows it, you know, if here's, here's where I also want to go quickly. Uh, Jake Fisher of Sports Illustrated last night reported uh, that the Lakers, or multiple teams are now weighing trade offers for D'Angelo Russell because, in theory, you know, Lonzo and Russell could play together, but they could might possibly be redundant as well. So, you know, who's to say if the Lakers don't trade Russell and Lonzo and Russell clash, like, that seems like it's a, a blow-up waiting to happen. So, Mort, do you think the Lakers, if they do take ball, do you think they should trade Russell or do you think they should try pairing those two guys at first? Well, regardless of who they choose, if they get a good offer for Russell, I think it's worth considering. Mm. So, I mean, let's just get that out of the way, first of all. Uh, having said that, if they draft Ball, I don't mind taking that experiment on. Mm -hmm. I've said on numerous occasions that I think D'Angelo would be best suited as a two-guard, playing yeah. off the ball a lot and, and getting into more of a scoring role. Mm -hmm. and having Lonzo Ball at the one definitely allows for that. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, I, I could kind of see it working also, because if if D'Angelo starts becoming a legitimate scoring threat, like one of those guys who can put up 20 every night, and he starts to drive and the defense collapses, like Lonzo is a very capable spot-up shooter from range. Mm -hmm. So there is a successful pairing offensively to be had in that duo. Defensively, however, good mm. lord, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not high on the potential there. It's a good point. But no, I mean I would I would still run it out and then see if they could somehow become better defenders, or you could you know get some guys in who could help them out in that area. Okay, so we'll, we're also going to have plenty of draft analysis in the coming weeks. We're hoping to have a couple draft experts on, so we'll talk much more about Lonzo and the Lakers and what to do at number two. Before we move on, Sixers at three. Let's assume Lonzo goes two, Markel goes one. What do you think the Sixers' best course of action is at three? You know, that's actually the, the, the most difficult question because I have pondered this for a while now. Mm -hmm. I, I think their best course of action would be trade down. Yeah. 
I mean, look, Josh Jackson is terrific. Jason Tatum is there. He's also a terrific guy, a terrific player, lots of potential. But Philly is loaded at you know the big spots and the forward spots. They they need guards, like legitimate mm-hmm. guards. And look, I. You know where I stand on the whole Ben Simmons as a point guard thing. I think it's ridiculous. I would not want that to happen at the same... You know, I, I don't think he should run a straight-up point guard role. I think he could be a ball-handling three-man or a ball-handling four, but don't let him play the actual point guard position because for defensive purposes, first and foremost, and secondarily, having a guy who's, what, 6'11", handle the basketball consistently? I mean, look, he's not Giannis. He just isn't. So I would definitely think some guard help is needed, uh, whether that's De'Aaron Fox or it's Malik Monk. Malik Monk, I think you guys need because you need shooting. Mm-hmm. Then you could trade down from three to, I don't know, maybe you could screw Sacramento again. That's, what, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Just I move th- down two slots. Right. That'd be cool. I think the dream would be Sacramento falls in love with Jackson or Tatum or someone at three or hell maybe Lonzo slips maybe the Lakers surprise someone and then someone really wants to move up to three you know if Sacramento does they have two picks if you do like I would happily do three for five and ten straight up oh that's I mean that's only because Lottie is in office that you could actually offer that because right. that's 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 a steep ass price especially in this draft I know but Let's let's not act like it's not possible. <laughs> I know. I would I would ask for it too. Yeah. So I well again we will revisit these decisions and discussions and well just about every week between now and the draft. Lots of good stuff coming on that front. A month and four days of of draft content. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll just one more thing because uh, I wanted to to answer one thing you, you said uh in regards to lavar ball and his uh he you know his his relationship with magic or the mm-hmm. fact that he was you know that that's an idol of his look i would be speechless around michael jordan mm-hmm. at first mm-hmm. like if it became an everyday thing that i would walk into an office with michael jordan and mm-hmm. i would speak with michael jordan on a regular basis i would become more candid like the the, the whole idol phase would start to fade and he would become a human being. The same right. would happen in the relationship between LeVar Ball and Magic Johnson. So while it sounds great that initially it, he will be gushing about Magic and he will be listening to every word Magic has to say, eventually that whole you know affection that he has for him will lessen yeah. because he'll just become a regular human being and LeVar being LeVar will probably not take Magic's words as seriously as he would initially. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, (laughs) good luck, Lakers fans. Uh, All right, let's move on. Sarah, I hope you have sufficiently channeled your rage because we need to talk about the Western Conference Finals, Uh, particularly a big man named Zaza Pachulia, who, I don't care, I mean, I don't care if he plays another minute in the series, he's going to be the MVP because... If not for him, the Spurs were up. You know, the game one, they open a massive lead early on, up to 25 points in the second quarter. They're cruising along, 20 points at halftime, you know, 23 in the middle of the third quarter. Then Kawhi takes a corner jumper. Zaza closes out a little bit too aggressively. Kawhi re-injures the same ankle he hurt against Houston in game five, proceeds to miss the rest of the game. Misses all of Game 2, is listed as questionable for Game 3 on Saturday. Sarah, let's talk about Zaza. Do you think his, do you think his A, his closeout was dirty, and B, do you think he meant to do it? He didn't mean to do it. Do you think it matters? I don't think it matters. Yeah, I think... <laughs> like... Much, you know, Pop always says everything better than I could say it anyway. Um, <laughs> much like he said, it, it was all, it was all identified by the league. These these closeouts years ago, and if you want to bring out that it was with a spur, that's fine. You know, bring up the history, but the point is, it was identified as dangerous and reckless then. It was outlawed then. People know about it. You know, it's not something where it's like, oh, you know, had no idea. 
that this could happen, people know. So that makes it even worse. But, you know, I've said, I said on Twitter, I'll say the same thing now. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a benefit of the doubt person. Mm-hmm. It's always generally where I go. But it, it really does... Yeah, Zaza removes himself from benefit of the doubt when you look yeah. at things that he's done in the past. Uh, honestly, he had a game against the Spurs last year as a Maverick. He did three things that could have gotten him kicked out of the game. Eventually, he finally succeeded in getting himself kicked out, <laughs> thankfully before he hurt anyone. But, you know, he was dirtier in that game even than he was, you know, the other day. So, and the the move where he locked arms, we talked yeah. about this with Olenek, where he did that with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle Kawhi didn't really seriously hurt his arm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like getting rolled up on, you know. He, he just locked his arm and then fell and pulled it. And yeah. I have no idea how... Nothing serious happened then. Uh, that was dirtier than the closeout to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, that kind of stuff is what makes you think, okay, he's he's not out there just playing hard, like he says. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. more than that. Yeah, yeah. I like Pop's quote about you know he's asking like, well, you know, in manslaughter, if you get tried for manslaughter in Texas, does intent matter? No, you're still charged with the crime and you're going to jail. So yep. that's where sounds like that's where most Spurs fans are at the moment. I have to ask this, and you can give me a pop response if you <laughs> deem it necessary. Had Kawhi not gone down in game one, do you think the Spurs win that game? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to argue otherwise. I mean, we'll never know for sure. Uh, we've certainly seen the Warriors come back. They're capable of it from being down by a lot, um, but they didn't. <laughs> with Kawhi in the game, you mm-hmm. know. Uh they they barely won as it is, two point victory. Uh I just man, it's just the the dumb luck of you know the Spurs did not play well to finish that game without Kawhi by any stretch. Right. The, right. they certainly could have played a little better. The the turnovers, my God, uh some of the offensive rebounds they gave up. You know, but it, in some ways it feels like Game Six, the dreaded Game Six in 2013, was like any any one of those little things goes their way. There were so many mistakes. If they cut mm-hmm. one of them, they still find a way to win. So it's just deeply upsetting because they they had that one and and they could very easily be one one right now. And we all know what a huge difference that is than being down 0-2 in a series, especially right. to the Warriors. Yeah. So let's now turn to Game Two. Frankly, there's not much to talk about. Kawhi missed the game. The Spurs get blown out by 36. After the game, Pop basically called out the entire team. Seemed like he honed a lot of focus on LaMarcus Aldridge, who looked strangely passive in Game 2. You would expect a little bit you know, more uh, force from him since Kawhi was out, since they needed a leading scorer not named Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Sarah, do you think there are any major adjustments Pop can make between games two and three if Kawhi misses game three to make this more competitive, or is it just a matter of effort at this point? I don't really think there's much that Pop can do. Um, try not to have... It's funny because he just doesn't have a lot of options. Because I'm like, I'm sure many Spurs fans watching the games... You'll see a few mistakes by, you know, Pal and or LaMarcus. It's just like, get him, get him off the floor. Just take <laughs> right, him out. Right. But it's like, who's he putting in? You know, we only have so many bigs. There's mm-hmm. David Lee over there. There's Deadman over there. But there's no there's no miracle. There's no answer. Right. Um, you know, yeah. Try not to get Pal caught up in so many pick and rolls. I, Pal's a smart man. I don't know why he's still <laughs> sagging way the hell off those Steph Curry pick and rolls, man. But. It's just it's just not clicking. I know he's he's not that fleet of foot, so maybe that's why it's happening, but I still feel like he could be closer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, try, try to clean that up, but it hasn't happened yet, so I don't have a lot of hope. Um, try to do something to get LaMarcus better position in the post because I talked about this in our preview. He can't just set up way outside the box and or out on the wing, which is where he is half the time, and try to bang with Draymond or whoever. It isn't going to work. We saw him be successful in the first half half of game one, rim running, getting deep position, high-low. But uh, there's just not a lot, especially if Kawhi's not on the floor, like you said. (laughs) He he makes the game easier for everybody else. He has the gravity. There's nothing else that's going to make up for that. Yeah, 
So I want, I'm glad you brought up that gravity point because I saw you and Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown were getting into a little Twitter spat mm. uh, last night. You know, Nick said, basically, look, Jonathan Simmons has, you know, as many points as Kawhi did in the first half. He's replaced Kawhi, but the rest of the Spurs need to step up. And you were like, well, yeah, on a, <laughs> on a points per, you know, a points basis, yes, but Kawhi, you know, the offense runs through him, basically. So... I mean, do you think, is it just a matter of, like, without Kawhi and now without Tony Parker, they just don't have the creators to, you know, especially against Golden State's defense? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the main issue with the team. And they're thin when they're at full strength as Mm -hmm. far as creators and playmakers. Um, They're down their top two now. (laughs) So they only really have three. Right. They're down... The top two, they got what you think Manu's going to create for everybody in his what twenty <laughs> minutes per game? Thirty right. nine year old Manu, it's not going to happen. You know he can't be responsible for every bit of the offense. That's the th- you know, Coach Nick. I know he's better than that. <laughs> I, know <he's, laughs> I know he knows better than that. I, that was, it's just a preposterous thing to say. Is um, you know the John has has just replaced. Kawhi's offense points fine maybe, maybe I'm being too militant about semantics basically maybe he meant points but he <laughs> said offense right and it, there's no way you can't say it's just everybody else has to get their rhythm going everyone else is struggling no, I wonder why <laughs> <laughs> because because Kawhi's not there to make the game easier for everybody right I, I mean they just don't have that and you're asking them to make it up now on the fly against the second best defense in the league really arguably the best defense in the league it's it's too tall a task and that's why you know when people drop the stats about oh they're eight and one without Kawhi, without any context again preposterous (laughs) because (laughs) oh okay sure they are but you know yeah they could survive a game or two here and there throughout the regular season without Kawhi. the thing is you know you're ignoring the fact that pop often handpicks those games and look at the games he missed Portland, Phoenix, um, Memphis, Brooklyn, Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, they could survive these games every now and then, especially if they also have Tony. Uh, it's just, you know, they're overextended right now. Like we said, they don't have the playmakers. That's not what Patty does. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's really good off the ball. He's, he's improved as a pick-and-roll guy, but it's just not him. John's not going to take you off the dribble very often. He's got speed. He's got a, a pretty nice crossover, a spin move that he'll pull out every now and then. But he's better, and I think Jesse Blanchard has made this point too, he's better kind of attacking a defense that is already off balance. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get guys off balance with his own handle that much. Mm-hmm. They just don't have those guys right now. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really not fun to watch, just like last night. Or <laughs> right. It was really not fun to watch if, if Kawhi can't come back. And it might not be fun with Kawhi, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. They sure they sure put up a hell of a fight. Like we said, I I've never gone into a series with probably lower expectations before. <laughs> and so I thought, well, the good thing is maybe if they lose it won't hurt then. But then they came out with that performance and you thought, Wow. And then it was all snatched away so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it still hurt. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, I, you know, I'm glad, you know, you and Jesse and Mort, you too, you all three of you have been harping on the point, like, yeah, Kawhi didn't have the assist numbers of a Harden or a Westbrook, Mm. and that was the big red flag against him in the MVP debate, but I think this series is proving just how valuable he is, because, you know, (laughs) I mean, CBS Sports had the, they they were circulating stat, uh, it was like the Spurs had a 23 point lead when Kawhi went out. And then the Warriors outscored them by 25 points in a quarter and a half when Kawhi yeah. got hurt in game one. So there you go. Uh, Mort, do you have anything to say to Sarah to cheer her up about this? Or is it time to just start focusing on next year already? The good news is that Draft Express has San Antonio picking to one Everett Emmons, <laughs> which is uh, necessary. Let's just put oh, it that way. That Look. sounds right. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, but yeah, this this series is just that's not gonna it's not gonna work out. And I honestly I don't think Kawhi should play for the mm. rest of the series. There's I'm really no you. point. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Pop was 
you know, he was talking about this. By the way, like, Pop just sneaked in, like, a Bosch bomb, just a pop bomb in, <laughs> in his interview because he said that Tim was actually healthy back in 2000 in the Phoenix series, but they decided that he shouldn't play, like, mm-hmm. to prolong his career and not put him in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty... That's a pretty big admission. Like, he was healthy, he could have played? Yeah. Really? Wow, that's... I kind of thought that was known before now, but I guess it wasn't. No, I, I I didn't know, and I heard, like, a lot of people were like, really? Seriously? He could have played? So, that was that was pretty wild. Uh, that, But, yeah, I, I get taking a similar approach. Like, you're down 0-2 to Golden State, and you're, you're not going to... Well, I was just going to say you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to beat Golden State if you're down 0-2, but given that they did blow a 3-1 lead, I, back. I, I guess it's possible. No, I mean, I, I don't I don't see any, any way this is redeemable, this series. So Kawhi should just take the summer, get his foot right, get his angle right, and come back even better if that's even humanly possible. Uh, so the only comfort I can provide is you have arguably the best player in the league. There you go. Take, yeah, take rejoice in that. I will yeah. take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, sorry we couldn't cheer you up more, Sarah, but you do okay. still have Kawhi Leonard. And you can start beefing <laughs> up. You're, you're going to be our late first-round expert this year because okay. <laughs> Mort and I have teams that suck way worse than yours. I um, do? <laughs> all right, Mort. <laughs> you got to decide on a team by draft night. I'm mandating it. Oh, that's that's a hell of a pressure. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Uh, all right, let's move over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, Boston, Washington, we need to wrap that series up. Game 7 will officially be known as the Kelly Olenek game. Out of nowhere, the dude goes out to shoot at 26 points on 10 of 14 shooting. Uh, Bradley Beal had a career-high 38, despite not playing all that well in the first half. But John Wall seemingly ran out of gas. Only 18 points on 8 of 23 shooting. So, Mort, we'll talk about Boston in a minute when we preview the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's focus on Washington because they face uh, some pretty interesting decisions this summer, starting with none other than Georgetown owns Otto Porter. Mm. What do you think they have to do with Otto? Do you think they they have any choice but to match whatever offer he receives, including a max? Nope. Just got to max him. They they have to, but look, I, I think in this new uh, financial climate, it I don't think any team would be interested in maxing out like Otto Porter and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Those guys, like if someone does, obviously you'll ha- you'll have to deal with it. But given how much salaries have increased or will increase, mm-hmm. and that you don't really know the future of the business, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at ESPN, who is just. <laughs> you know, dropping money from yeah. left and right, so you, you don't know if you're going to get a similar TV deal down the road. Mm-hmm. I think teams will be more cautious throwing that big amount of money, you know, restricted free agents away. Mm-hmm. But either way, you would have to match it. Like, Otto Porter is a huge key to that team. But what really pisses me off if I'm Washington is that I handed Jan Mahimi those $64 million. Yes. Yeah. That was not... Did not look good in this series. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on the auto note. Mostly because they just don't have the cap space to do anything. You're not going to replace Otto. If you let him walk, you're not going to have the cap space to replace him with a player anywhere near as good. You have proven, you know, you came one quarter short of the conference finals. If you had any semblance of a bench, you probably beat the Celtics in six. Uh, so it feels like... They're not at the point where they need to blow it up by any means. Just keep building around Wall, Beal, Otto, Markeith is signed to a pretty cheap deal. Um, we'll talk about their center position in a minute. But what do you? How do you see them addressing their bench? Do you think they re-sign Bogdanovich or who would you, like? Who else would you go after if you're Washington? Yeah, I think. Bogdanovich deserves a second chance. I mean, he he, he came in hot. Remember when he yeah. when he was traded, like, he was extremely hot, and then he fell off. And with a full training camp, I think he would be like the main offensive player coming off their bench, which I kind of dig because he can switch between two positions and he can shoot. Like he's a hell of a shooter. Uh, I'm hoping for internal improvement with Kelly Oubre as well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he can also play some off guard sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know he's yeah, you know, I. 
I don't project him to, but if that aspect of his game could be evolved, mm-hmm. it would be nice to see him get some guard minutes because that's really what they need. They need guard help. Like they don't have a legitimate backup point guard on their team, and I'm you know because Brandon Jennings is not, it's not worth it, right. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So if they could get a legitimate backup point guard, and I'm you know I know Trey Burke is there as well, but he's been disappointing throughout the course of his career. That mm-hmm. he's not reliable at all. So that's a need as well. Um, and I guess some more stability at the center position. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jan Mahimi, as I just touched upon, he's not. He's not the answer. Martin Gortat is getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe, at the end of the day, you actually start playing you know, ridiculously small. Like, at times, go with Markeef at the 5, mm-hmm. Otto at the 4, Bogdanovich at the 3, and then Beal and Wall. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about their center spot for a second, because after they lost Game 7, uh, Martin Gortat, he had some interesting comments. He basically said he's going to meet with his agent and determine if the Wizards are the right fit, quote-unquote, going forward. Uh, Sarah, what do you make of that? I mean, Gortat is signed through 2018-2019, so he still has two more years on his deal. It's not like he can walk as a free agent this summer, but if you're the Wizards, are you nervous about Gortat seemingly being unhappy with what's going on? As you said, I'm not sure how much he can do right. <laughs> about being unhappy, but but yeah, it was strange. Uh, I was surprised to see that. Uh, this is like no warning signs, really. Or maybe there have been, and I just missed them. But you know, I do think back to some of the all the funeral stuff that's gone on and the dressing <laughs> in black, and I do remember Gortat just kind of being like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't right. have anything to do with this. I'm just grudgingly going along with this. I don't know, maybe he doesn't feel like he fits. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure it, it probably had more to do with touches or shot volume or something. Uh, but without him really elaborating, it's hard to say what's going on there. Um, I do remember, I've always liked Gortat, because A, he's got an awesome nickname, the Polish Hammer. <laughs> yep. but then And he's got a great tattoo to go with it. It's like the, the Thor Hammer, which I won't try to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I'll screw it up. Thank you. There I you knew go. Morton would have yeah. my back. We have a Dane. One. Good work. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so he's he's just got a great personality. I remember him being quoted in that uh, lovely, beautiful game Spurs video, mm-hmm. talking about how they run offense and it's like listening to Mozart. <laughs> I think I think Gortat just wants to be a Spur. So. <laughs> Clearly, that's his plan. I would, I would be happy to have him. Come on over. I was going to say, Pau Gasol for Gortat, who says no. Gortat still has one of my favorite NBA stories of all time. He was he was signed to Reebok back in the day, and he has this Air Jordan tattoo on his calf. And, okay. and Reebok was like, you know, you should wear high socks to cover <laughs> that up. And Gortat, being as loyal as he was to his his childhood idol, was like, nope. Drop me from the brand. I don't care. So that was just his response. Like, no, I'm not going to wear low socks. I'm just going to give up my my shoe deal with you guys what? so I can have my tattoo visible during NBA games. That's some serious loyalty right there. I will, I will always cherish that one. <laughs> the Wizards fans can only hope he shows such loyalty to the Wizards. Doubtful. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, we said last summer when they signed Mahimi to that deal, it seemed like Gortat had one foot out the door, basically, and then Mahimi got hurt and they had to keep Gortat. But if I, you know, once they solve the Otto Porter conundrum, they're probably going to be well over the salary cap. So, I mean, they could even be in luxury tax territory, depending on how much he gets and how much they spend on other bench players. So, that seems like a spot. They're probably going to address this summer. I'm guessing they trade either Gortat or Mahimi. But we will see what happens with the Wizards. It's going to be a fun off season for them. Can uh, you even trade Mahimi, though? Probably not. So that's why I'm guessing they trade Gortat. Yeah. 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 And then they have to roll with Mahimi as their starting center next year. <laughs> Get pumped, Wizards fans. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's move to the Eastern Conference Finals. We briefly touched on this last week, but now we actually officially know... 
the Boston Celtics will be facing the Cleveland Cavaliers. It starts tonight in Boston, which caught me off guard for some reason. Like, I totally forgot Boston was the number one seed because everyone is picking against them. (laughs) Um, All right, so, I mean, keys to the series. The first is the most obvious. How does Boston slow down LeBron James? Well, you, you get a gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I'm not shoot sure. Shoot him in the calf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work, you shoot him twice in the torso. When right. that doesn't work, yeah. And right. then we can go on and on and on. Look, you don't. Yeah. I mean, you put Jay Crowder on him. You and you rotate Jalen Brown upon him, but mm-hmm. and and you play physical, and then you sacrifice whatever offensive production Jalen Brown will otherwise provide. Like. Seriously, that that Brad Stevens could, should go to to um, to you know, well both Jay Crowder and Jalen Brown honestly and tell those guys it doesn't matter if you score one freaking point this series like you just stick to him like white on rice and whatever you do just hurt him like and I when I mean hurt I don't mean physically but like hurt his shooting percentages hurt <laughs> right. his hurt 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 his uh, you know drives to the basket make sure that everything he gets is contested heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, he's got to get his. Yeah. The real concern here for me is Tristan Thompson. Mm. Because who do they have on that team, like in Boston, who can keep Tristan Thompson off the glass? Right. Like, let's go back to the Chicago series. Robin Lopez. <laughs> Robin freaking Lopez, who is by no means a good rebounder owned them on the glass on several locations. Like, mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson? That's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. I I have no idea what Boston is going to do to slow down the Cavs. The only thing I can think of here is that they have to utilize Cleveland's somewhat laxing defense. Mm-hmm. And then they should, because we as we've seen, Amir Johnson is back in the starting lineup for Boston. He probably shouldn't be. I would rather have someone else there who is more perimeter oriented, mm-hmm. and then just do what they did in the Bulls series: start launching like forty-five threes <laughs> a game and just try to outgun them. At this point, it's their best bet. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Jalen Brown because Jonathan Sharks of the Ringer had a good piece on him today, kind of like how he's basically body-wise he's their best option because Marcus Smart is too small and Jay Crowder just doesn't have the heft. Like, his frame is Mm. not nearly as big, but Jalen is kind of built well enough to possibly defend LeBron. That said, the kid was playing in college a year ago, not now he's playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against the dude who's trying to defend his NBA championship. So, Godspeed. Is Is Marcus Smart too small, though? I mean, look. Marcus Smart guarded Paul freaking Millsap, though, yeah. in the playoffs. So I'm like, I'm not buying that entirely. I think he could take at least a few possessions every game on LeBron and do well. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying slow him down significantly well, but well enough to at least contest his shots and, and not give him free reigns. Yeah, I think it's the same story. We've said this, I feel like, with every competitive series that LeBron James has ever been in. The key to slowing him down is just throwing different looks at him. Like, you, mm. you want to throw a smart at him a couple times. You want to throw uh, Jalen Brown at him. You want to throw Jay Crowder at him. Maybe throw Amir Johnson. Probably doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with him. Mm. But um, Avery Bradley, even. What, you know, you just got to pester the hell out of him. And, like, the, the second he figures out what's coming, he's beat you already. So you have to yeah. keep him on his toes the entire time. So Boston has options, and Brad Stevens is a smart coach. He will make adjustments. He has proven that throughout these playoffs. It's just trying to figure out <laughs> which are the best of, you know, not some great choices. Um, Sarah, I want to ask you about Boston's complimentary scores outside of Isaiah Thomas because that's been a big key throughout the playoffs. You know, IT can go off for 50, but the Celtics still need another 50 points to beat the Cavs. Do you think Boston has the firepower to keep up with LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin and Love and company? I don't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they might get hot for a game or two. You see the ascension of Kelly Olenek. I don't know. That was crazy. Um, but yeah, stuff like that can happen, you know, for a game or two in a series. But I don't think 
they will get hot enough uh, to be able to win a seven-game series against the Cavs. Uh, now, their defense is pretty good, and, you know, on the other hand, the Cavaliers' defense is not great. So, perhaps they're able to muddy it up a little bit and and get it closer, and they, and they don't have to be super hot. But, but it, we've seen... So far this playoffs, the Cavs have, if not defensively, at least offensively, kind of shifted it into that next gear. And, you know, we all, we all know how dangerous LeBron surrounded by shooters is. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's tough to see how the Celtics can really hang with that over the course of a series. Yeah, it sounds like we're all on the same boat here in terms of where we feel for this series. So let's go right into the X-Factors. Mort, who do you see as an X-factor for both Boston and Cleveland in this one? For Cleveland, it's uh, Kevin Love, because he's mm-hmm. taking under less sh- less than 10 shots per game over the course of these playoffs. He's averaging around 13 points. This is a unique opportunity for him to catch his rhythm before going into the finals. Mm-hmm. They have no real power forward out there, Boston, <clears throat> to really threaten him. Right. So if he can be established early on and really get the offensive flow running through him over the course of the series, that's going to help Cleveland a lot. Mm-hmm. On on the other end, honestly, I have no idea regarding the X factor for Boston. I don't think there's that one guy. Mm-hmm. Could, I could, you know, you could argue that Al Horford needs to be uh, hot as he's been throughout the course of the postseason. I think he's shooting like 65% from the field in the playoffs. So if that continues, that's huge for mm. Boston in terms of offensive production. I I don't think it'll, I don't think that hot streak will last. But if it does, it's huge. Uh, so I I think Horford and then what we talked about, like the rotating defenders on LeBron, that's going to be an X factor in and of itself. Yeah. And you know, should Boston invite Delonte West to sit on the sideline? <laughs> you know that. I mean that that too would be. An X-Factor for sure, just yep. in a way different way. Yep, that sure would. If they want a 50-point triple-double dropped on their heads, that would <laughs> be a fun way to do it. Um, Sarah, who do you have X-Factors for both sides? Uh, I think Tristan Thompson, because I think there's yeah. an opportunity to really murder the Celtics on the glass like we talked about. Um, so I could see him having a heyday. And, gosh, for Boston... <laughs> Similar to Mort, I think I think the rotating defenders on the run is a good choice. I, I might just say Avery Bradley. Um, mm. I mean, it's pretty obvious that he has to be good. Uh, so I don't know how much of an X factor he is, but I think you know defensively he he always brings it, and then it's kind of you know the offense comes and goes. But I think he's gonna have to be like we talked about. <laughs> Isaiah needs a guy next to him to uh, that he can count on offensively as well to bring some something. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'll go Avery. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, both of you, I can't disagree with either of your picks. I'm going more benched for both of mine. Cleveland, I think Channing Frye and Kyle Korver, just because LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love are probably going to get theirs. If those bench guys start hitting, it's over. It could very well be a sweep. Um, <laughs> if. <laughs> <laughs> when, when they start hitting. Um, Boston... You know, I, you guys nailed it with the rotating defenders. Brown and Marcus Smart in particular stand out. I mean, Marcus Smart, you know, he, he he doesn't make a huge impact on the box score, but just watching him, like, I feel like he's their most physical rebounder. So if they're going to have a chance on the glass at all, it's probably going to be him, him leading the way. Um, and then I'm going with our Lord and Savior, Kelly Olynyk. who, if he comes out with another 26-point game, maybe there's a chance Boston steals one. But if that doesn't happen, it's going to be a quick series. So, Sarah, what's your prediction? I honestly have been feeling like it's going to be another sweep. But mm. I'll, give, I'll give Boston one game. So, Cleveland in five. What, what about yeah. you? Same. And it's going to be one of those, you know, Cleveland's going to go up 3-0, to zero, Boston's going to get, like, 1, and then, yeah, the hammer yep. is dropped. It's so. a gentleman's sweep, as it were. Yep. 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 I'm also taking Cleveland in 5. I just don't see, don't see a way that, I mean, maybe there's some fluky way Boston takes it to 6, but 
I, you know, I, I, I stand on this hill until I die. I don't think Boston is a very good team as currently constructed. I think they've gotten pretty lucky to get where they are. Um, good thing they're getting Markel Fultz. Then. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. They will be a good team in a couple of years, but right now, I just don't think they have any chance against Cleveland. So, I am likewise taking Cleveland in five. They'll have a chance to prove us wrong tonight, and I think it starts at eight thirty. Until then, you were listening to the NBA podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we will have another episode very soon where we'll have more draft talk. We will react to both of the conference finals, and who knows? At that point, they might both already be over. Um, <laughs> until then, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. Also, check us out on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribe, downloaded, left some reviews. We would love any feedback. And check out FanRag Sports, where we're being hosted this year, at FanRag Sports on Twitter, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, Brian. You too. All right, take care. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.